0: the Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. <laughs> the makers of Johnson's Wax, Johnson's Carnew, and Johnson's self-polishing glow coat present Fibber McGee and Molly written by Don Quinn with music by the Kingsmen and Billy Mills Orchestra. your opportunity for making good resolutions will be here again. Well, if you're anything like me, you've got plenty of material to work on and you probably don't need any suggestions. But I can't refrain from tossing one at you for the benefit of any of you ladies who haven't yet learned how much work you can save by adopting the wax housekeeping method. I believe I've demonstrated before how Johnson's Wax is more than a product. It's a labor-saving way of keeping house. By regular applications of Johnson's Wax to your floors, furniture, and woodwork, and many other surfaces, too, you not only protect them against wear, but you keep your house cleaner all year, save yourself work in the bargain, and add beauty to every room. Use Johnson's Wax on your leather goods, windowsills, Venetian blinds, your picture frames, ornaments, and irons, your refrigerator, and pantry shelves. So may I suggest that you resolve now to save yourself unnecessary work during 1944 by adopting the Johnson's Wax housekeeping method. Chinese, and admirable people celebrate the advent of the new year by paying up old bills and settling various obligations. Maybe that's why Gung Ho McGee, the old Mandarin of Wistful Vista, has been dashing around all morning returning properties, paying bills, and doing other strange things. Possibly his odd activities will be explained as we meet Fever McGee and Molly.
1: I returned Doc Gamble's cribbage board, paid my bill at the shoeshine stand. Oh, my gosh, I didn't get a new pane for the basement window. Hey, Molly, I'll be right back. i got to go right down to the hardware no, store. Oh,
2: wait a minute, McGee. Calm down. Hmm? The hardware store is closed today for inventory.
1: Doggone it, and I'll bet that was it, too.
2: you bet what was what?
1: What I was supposed to do today. Look, you see this ribbon on my little finger? Yes.
2: I noticed that all morning. Somebody give you a new pinky for Christmas? No,
1: no. That's on there to remind me to do something. Oh. And I'm doggone if I know what it is. So I've been doing everything I should have done for the last year. I fixed your vacuum cleaner.
2: Oh, good for you. That's wonderful.
1: It's right here. Try it. Here, here. I'll switch it on. See? See? Works like a charm.
2: Can't you fix it so it works like a vacuum cleaner?
1: (laughs) I got that chug, chug, chug out of it, didn't I?
2: Yeah, but you left in the squeak and the brump and the clickety.
1: (laughs) Well, the gears are a little wore down, that's all. Works perfect, except for one thing. What's that? Well, it don't work when you push it forward. Oh? you got to pull it along behind you.
2: Well, that's fine. <laughs> I'll pretend it's a little red wagon that Santa Claus brought me. Yeah. Gee,
1: what is this is annoying? Ribbon on my finger to remind me to do something and can't remember what it is. It's mortivating. It's what? Mortivating. That's a combination of mortifying and infuriating. <laughs> now, why can't I Remember?
2: Say, did you send the piano tuner
1: a check? Old High Miller? Sure, I did. With a nasty note, too.
2: Well, what was that for? He tuned it beautifully.
1: I know, but five bucks seemed like a lot of dough for having a guy play Johnny One Note on that broken down melodeon of ours for half a day.
3: <laughs>
1: and I told him so when he done it. And he says that what I didn't know about music would fill Carnegie Hall. And I says, at least I didn't play the piano with a monkey wrench. <laughs> he says, I was so dumb, I thought a string ensemble was a lynching party. I says he was so dumb, he thought G-Major was what the captain said when he got promoted. (laughs) One word led to another, so I got in the last word when I sent the check.
2: That's all. Well, that's enough. Now, I think you owe him an apology. Huh? You know, before he tuned that piano, it sounded like somebody playing the bagpipes underwater.
1: (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I bet I know what I was supposed to do.
2: Put a new light bulb on the back porch. Oh, You know, it was so dark out there last night you threw the garbage in the cellar window and then went back in the garage instead of the house hollering that somebody had stolen the back steps.
1: I fixed that light bulb this morning before I returned Wilcox's stepladder. But that isn't what I meant. I meant Fred Nittany.
2: Fred Nittany?
1: Yeah. I owe him a letter. You've heard me speak of old Fred Nittany from Starved Rock, Illinois.
2: Oh, indeed I have, dearie. He creeps through your conversation like a casserole fish market.
1: <laughs> ah, good old Fred. There was a pal. Saved my life once, too. He did. Huh? And when a guy saves a guy's life, a guy never forgets it.
2: How'd he save your life?
1: Remember our old vaudeville act where we used to throw the Indian clubs at each other?
2: Yes, you demonstrated that to me once. You broke the dining room window and knocked the milkman unconscious.
1: Well, I hollered, whoop, before I threw it. Could I help it if he never saw a vaudeville show? Anyway, once when I and old Fred was playing the Palace Theater in Petoskey, Michigan... Oh,
2: the big time,
1: huh? We were just... just filling the split week. Spokane, Washington, Petoskey, Michigan. <laughs> anyway, Fred was kind of nearsighted, see? Bad case of a frigmatism. Well, sir, by mistake one night, he put on a pair of the stagehand's eyeglasses by mistake. And the stagehand had a frigmatism, too, even worse than Fred had, it, see? So I looked like I was standing right in front of him instead of 20 feet away. On account of his stigmatism.
2: That was an interesting situation.
1: It was fraught with peril.
2: It was
3: what?
1: It was fraught with peril. Literary expression meaning my neck was out a mile.
3: <laughs>
1: well, sir, thinking I was right there in front of him, he just handed me the Indian clubs instead of throwing them, and naturally they just fell onto the stage. Got a terrific laugh, and we kept it in the act.
2: Yeah, but how'd he save your life?
1: My gosh, can't you see? If he'd have threw them at me, he'd have killed me. Couldn't see what he was doing on account of that absurdity. Where's my fountain pen? I've owed Fred a letter for some... Doggone oh, it, who's that? I don't want to be interrupted when i got so much to do, even if I can't even remember what it was I was supposed well, to do. Well, let
2: me see. Oh, it's Mr. Wellington from the Bijou Theater. Oh,
1: that guy. The poor man, Sam Golden. He gives me a spasm in the clavicle.
2: Now, listen. He's a nice, educated man, Mr. Wellington.
1: Here. He's so darn refined, you could sprinkle him on your oatmeal. Only I wouldn't care for well, some. Oh, my
2: goodness, McGee, he never... Come in. Mr. Wellington.
4: Good day, Mrs. McGee. You're looking very charming today. Hello, McGee. You're looking... (laughs) (laughs) Hi, Sig. What urgent
1: business has dragged you out of that black hole of Calcutta you call a movie theater?
4: My friend, in the first place, if you have ever perused my advertising in the evening papers, you will, perchance, have noticed that the bijou is always called, and I quote wistful vistas, own Taj Mahal of superior cinematic offerings, a veritable enchanted palace of modern screen drama. And I un. Thank you. And here's my hat, too. <laughs> well, if you've taken care of the first place, now what was it you wanted in the second place? I wished to inquire if by any chance when you attended my theater last night, before, the night before last it was, mm-hmm. you lost an overshoe. It might roughly be described as black, size ten and a half, worn at the ankle. Scuffed at toe and heel, with your name plainly inscribed in indelible ink on the inside, in what I would consider a noteworthy case of false pride. You
2: did, Miggy. You did. You wondered where you lost that overshoe.
4: My gosh, I did at that.
1: I'll bet that's what this ribbon was on my finger for—to remind me to look for that overshoe. Oh, gee,
4: thanks, big old man. You bring it with you? Frankly, no. You—you uh... <laughs> you, you may reclaim the missing doghouse, if you will pardon the vernacular by calling Miss Hortense Birdbody at 345 West 14th Street.
2: Well, how on earth did she get it, Mr. Wellington? Is she one of your ushers?
4: Miss Birdbody, on the contrary, is one of my valued patrons, Mrs. McGee. She is in possession of the article by virtue of the fact that she was hit solidly on the noggin by same. (laughs) You see, your husband has a deplorable habit of hanging his feet over the balcony rail. (laughs) My
3: gosh.
4: Was she hurt, Sage? She was not, I must report, colder than an ice man's
3: tongs.
4: (laughs) I would therefore suggest, my friend, that in case you intend to retrieve the footwear, you first pave the way by a note of apology, an order of cut flowers, and a few telephone calls, thus avoiding the legal action which I am sure she is prepared to instigate. Sage. Thank you. No, I'll close the door myself. Thank you. Goodbye.
3: (laughs)
2: McGee, you might have an ugly lawsuit on your hands. I'll
1: run right down and order some flowers sent to her right away with a note of apology. Where's my hat? Oh, yeah, right here in the hall closet. Oh,
2: Oh. Maybe that was what you forgot to remember, to clean out the hall closet. I wonder if...
0: and the orchestra and Blue Skies.
1: I got the hall closet cleaned out, Molly. that was what I got that ribbon on my finger to remind me of, I've done it. Only I don't think it was that.
2: Well, how about seeing Miss Hortense' bird body about your overshoes?
1: I've decided to let her keep it for the scrap drive. There was five pounds of rubber in that thing.
2: Well, you still owe her an apology.
1: Now, I'll call her up. Give me the phone. Here. Thanks. Hello, operator. Give me the residence of Miss Hortense' bird body at 3-4 Pete's sake. Is that you, Mert? Oh,
3: dear. <laughs> How's every
1: little thing, Mert? Cheers, What's that, Mert? Your aunt. Lost a beautiful big Afghan.
2: Oh, how terrible. Did she knit it herself?
1: No, she was engaged to him and he went back to Afghanistan. (laughs) What's that, Mert? Okay, thanks anyway. She says there's no number listed for a Hortense bird body. Well, that lets me out.
2: Not necessarily. She can still sue you.
1: I'll take a chance. Let him sue me. I'll plead Nuxprosy ad Fordham.
2: (laughs) What does that mean?
1: I don't know. They won't either, and I'll gain three weeks till they try to look it up.
3: <laughs> Darn it,
1: I wish I could remember what I'd have done was I supposed to do if I had this string on my finger.
3: Well, now...
2: <laughs> Let me think a minute Yeah, now. me too. <laughs> did you take those rental books back to Kramer's drugstore?
1: Yes, sir, I did. On the way back from returning Wilcox's stepladder. I told Kramer they were two of the worst mystery stories I ever read.
2: Oh, I don't know. The huh? body and the bass drum was very entertaining, I thought. Mm,
1: bah. I knew who did it after I read three pages.
2: From which end?
1: What do you mean, from which end? You think I peek in the back of the book to see who done it? Yes. Well, don't you? Yes. Well, then, gee whiz, don't criticize me.
5: <laughs> I
1: never did it, of so course I... Hello, folks. Am I intruding? It's not
2: at all, Mr. Wilcox. Come right in.
1: Hi, Junior. that a new Christmas necktie you're wearing?
0: You can't even see my necktie. I've got my muffler over it.
1: That's why I thought it must be a Christmas tie. <laughs> well, what's on your mind? Tall, dark, and commercial?
2: <laughs> well,
0: I just want to thank you for bringing my stepladder back, pal.
2: Oh, he's been returning borrowed articles all day, Mr.
1: Wilcox. Incidentally, Junior, you got chipped on that stepladder, you know that? I no sooner stepped onto it than three rungs busted and it sprawled out like a hurdle jumper. It was all right when I bought
0: it, chum. You've had it so long, it's rotted away.
2: Say, uh, when did you borrow that ladder,
0: McGee? Why, last summer, I think. Or was it last spring? It was neither one. Oh. I loaned it to you originally so you could patch the top of your car because you were driving to the World's Fair in Chicago.
2: Which one, Mr. Wilcox?
3: What do you mean, which one?
1: Why, that was only in 1930
0: or something. Sure, sure. Only ten years ago. Oh. That was about the time I first met you folks, remember? Ah, uh, yes. And started telling people about Johnson's self-polishing glow Ah, uh, yes. The wonderful finish for linoleum that shines as it dries.
2: Heavenly days. It is almost ten years, isn't it?
0: And you haven't changed hardly at all a bit, Junior. Nope. And neither has glow coat. Still the finest protection money can buy to keep your linoleum floor coverings protected against dust and dampness and to restore the real beauty of the color and pattern. Ah, uh, yes. Ah, it's been a great association, kids, a great association.
2: Yes, we think so, too, Mr.
3: Wilcox.
1: And it sure has, Junior. You've got a little less pepper in your personality, a little more salt in your hair,
0: but... (laughs) You're still the same old Racine (laughs) shifter. Well, I'll tell you. You'll never know how much I... Well, how much this... this thing has meant to me. I... I want you to know that... Let me take that handkerchief, will you, pal?
2: Thanks. Are you that sentimental about it,
3: Mr. Wilcox?
0: About this handkerchief? Yes. It's one my sister embroidered, and this magpie you married borrowed it from me two years ago.
3: See you later. (laughs) Uh...
1: Of all the hokum, why didn't he just ask for the handkerchief? I'd have given it to him. He didn't have to ham it up like that.
2: Well, I, I thought it was a pretty good act myself. Has he ever had any movie
3: offers?
1: Yeah, two of them. He sat in a woman's lap by mistake in a movie one night, and her husband offered to poke him in the nose.
3: <laughs> then
1: he saw how big Wilcox was and offered an apology.
3: Say,
2: look, McGee, can't you take that silly red ribbon off your finger mm. now? Why don't you sit down and relax? You must be tired.
1: Tired? I had to shorten my suspenders to keep myself standing up.
2: <laughs> well, he only can think of that you haven't done is fix that clock in our bedroom. You know, the one that Aunt Sarah gave us for a wedding present?
1: You mean that marble venus with the clock in her stomach? (laughs) I can't fix that. Why not? Well, I don't know. I just... Gee whiz, that that, that embarrasses me. Every time I start toward her with a pair of pliers, I feel like Dr. Kildare. (laughs) Besides, I don't see
5: for goodness sake, here, Alice, darling. Hello, dear. Hello, Mrs. McGee. Hello, Mr. McGee. Did I get a Christmas card or phone call from Paul?
1: Paul? Uh-huh. Not Paul Bunyan, the owner of Babe, the blue-eyed ox, 40 axe handles between the eyes.
5: <laughs> no, this is a fellow by the name of Paul, which he works at the next bench to me at the airplane plant, and is he ever a good-looking man, my dear? Oh, you really
2: go for him, Alice, huh?
5: Oh, all the girls go for him, Mrs. McGee. He's been whistled at more than a downtown grade crossing. <laughs> He's got Ronald Coleman's eyes and Cary Grant's chin and Clark Gable's personality and my blowtorch, which he forgot to give back last week.
1: Why do you suppose he ignored you this Christmas, kid? Did his passion cool when the blowtorch went out?
5: Uh, well, I suppose really it was on account of we had a little difference of opinion last week. I said he was a rat and he said he wasn't.
2: Well, uh, just what instigated this tender little exchange of personalities, Alice?
5: Well, he stopped in a drugstore to make a phone call, and he was expecting an answer, so he asked me to sit in the telephone booth and keep it for him till he got back. And he was gone for an hour and a half. And believe me, I was so tired from that little wooden stool, I walked three blocks in a sitting-down position. (laughs) And that's when I called him a rat.
1: Where had he been all that time, playing pool?
5: No. No, he went to a newsreel theater because he said drugstores make him nervous. Because when he was a child, somebody put an ice cream cone down his back. Oh, but that wasn't what made me so mad. What did, Alice? Well, it was while I was walking, all bent over on account of being in the phone booth so long, and Paul said, do you have to do that, stoop? (laughs) (laughs) Jeepers. I wish he'd call me or something, so I... I'll get it. 79
2: Whistle Vista, Miley McGee speaking. Who? Oh, yes, she's right here. Uh, who's calling, please? Oh, Alice's call.
5: It is? Oh, thank you. Hello, Paul. This is Alice, and I still think you're a rat. Yes, Mrs. McGee, it's been a beautiful Christmas, and I got some perfume and some books and a new life.
0: The King's Men and only 12 more shopping months till Christmas.
6: 12 more shopping months till Christmas. I won't spend a dime Only eight more shopping months till Christmas Gee, that's not so long I am sending out cards this year Then I can't go wrong I'll have to buy one little present for Aunt Minnie That can wait a while Lots of time to choose, what have I got to lose? Still got four more shopping months till Christmas Gee, but it's a four Let's see, 90 days, that's not bad Still got plenty more Take your time, take your time, what's the rush about? Stop that hurrying, stop that worrying, hurrying, worry is out. All you gotta do is make out a list, decide upon the price to pay. All the hither and the bother and the latter and the bother will be done before Christmas Day. Trust me, I'll be ready then. Golly, can that be old Santa Claus again? Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, only ten more shopping days of Christmas, better go buy a tree. You must get Mama that newer coat, she'll be mad at me, only three more shopping days of Christmas, lots of things to buy, should have started it weeks ago, how the time to fly, almost forgot to get that streamlined train for Junior I come to stealing up here inside...
1: See, I fixed the vacuum cleaner. I took back the books. I returned Wilcox's stepladder. Oh, for goodness
2: I... sakes, McGee, stop worrying, will you? Uh... You've done more work around here today than you have in the last five years.
1: Doggone it, I still don't know why I got this ribbon on my finger. It must have been something I wanted to do first thing today. And I don't feel that I have done
2: it. You paid the gas bill, dearie?
1: Yeah, and the phone bill and my personal account at the shoe sign stand.
2: Well, that's all I can think of unless you forgot to patch that wallpaper in the hall upstairs.
1: I done that the minute I got back from returning Wilcox's stepladder. And believe me, that yellow chrysanthemum design is pretty tough to match up, too. Well,
2: where on earth did you find any paper to match it? It's been on there for eight years.
1: Well, it didn't match exactly. I had to use some we had left over from papering the dining room.
2: Yes, but that's a running design of a hunting scene. Horses jumping over fences. Yeah,
1: I know, I know, I know. You never saw a horse jumping over a chrysanthemum. Take a look upstairs. (laughs) One of the most unusual. I wish people would quit bothering us till I remember what I got this ribbon tied on my finger for. It's exasperating. That's... Come in. Oh, hello, Dr. Gamble. Hello, Mrs. McGee. Hello, McGee. Hi, a Hippocrates. If you are referring to the father of medicine, McGee, it's pronounced hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. And if
0: I wasn't... Now,
2: boys. Don't <laughs> so, let's get started on one of those arguments. It's too near after Christmas. Mm.
0: Yes, it is, Mrs. McGee, and I just stopped into...
1: Well... Why the hair ribbon on the digit, my boy? It's gonna flag down a train or something?
2: That's remind him to do something, Doctor.
1: To do what? Doggone it, that's just it. I can't remember what. He's
2: been working like a dog around here today, Doctor. He's yeah. fixed things, returned things, and paid bills, and just generally worn himself to another.
1: And I still don't feel like I've done what this ribbon was supposed to to remind me of to have done. You, uh, you say you paid all your bills?
2: Yes, he has, Doctor.
1: No, he hasn't, dear. <laughs>
2: And who haven't
1: I paid, wise guy? Me.
2: Oh, heavenly day.
1: Oh,
3: my
1: gosh. I'm sorry, Doc. You, you completely slipped my mind. That's all right. Everybody paid the doctor's bill when it was due. The doctor could get some nice new instruments and pay his rent and buy some medical books and get more up-to-date things, and we
0: wouldn't want that to happen, would we?
2: <laughs> or would we? Pay the man right now, McGee. Do you happen to know the amount, doctor?
1: By an odd coincidence, Mrs. McGee. I have a
4: copy of the bill right here.
1: Odd coincidence, my clavicle. You were probably going to come over here and beat on the door till the dough got shook out of my piggy bank. Well, how much? Big fat bandage bandit. $23. That's very reasonable. Reasonable? Why, for $23, bucks, I could jack up my ankles and get a whole new body. Of all the pill-peddling piracy I ever heard of, this takes the silver-mounted sleeping tablet. Twenty-three bucks. What did you see the last time you looked down my throat a diamond mine? Twenty. Oh, stop shouting, McGee. You know very well you call me over here every time you mistake gluttony for heart trouble. Of course, if you'd like to go on my charity list... We
2: don't want anything of the kind, Doctor.
1: Charity list He says.
3: Ha-ha-ha-ha.
1: The last time you treated a case for free, it was because your dog nosed it wrong. The word... (laughs) The word, McGee, is diagnosed. In your case, it's dog nosed, you big airedale.
3: Now... Now, look here, McGee.
1: I'm a very patient man, as any doctor would be who waited for you to pay a bill. But if I have to take any more of your silly vaudeville, I'll forget my ethics and spread your septum all over your unclassic profile. Oh, yeah? Well, you leave my septum out of this. (laughs) Why, I could stand on a basketball and bounce you around like a yo-yo. You don't say. Just because you carry a little globe under your belt don't get the idea of Charles Atlas. (laughs) (laughs) I know every alleged muscle in your miserable little chassis, McGee, and you haven't got the stamina of yesterday's spaghetti.
3: (laughs) Is
1: that so? Why? Now listen
2: here, that's enough. Now it's enough. Stop it. I won't have another word. Doctor, you left. Excuse McGee. He's worked so hard today. He's worn out and irritable. McGee, twenty-three dollars is a very fair charge.
1: Oh yeah. Well then, let him itemize. That's fair enough.
2: Here's
0: the bill. June third, office call, taking bowling ball off thumb. Three dollars.
2: I remember that.
1: So do I. That leaves 20. July 5th, house call, emergency, 3 a.m.,
0: patient terrified, turning red all over. Diagnosis, sunburn.
2: Like <laughs> a go on, McGee? No, doctor, of course not.
0: Same $23, McGee. Here you
1: are, doc. You don't have to give me a receipt. I trust you. Isn't that sweet? He trusts me. Well, I may as well tell you now, McGee, the reason I had this bill with me is that I was coming over here to tear it up as a New Year's present. Your silly ailments have kept me in good humor the whole year.
3: Good day.
2: Well, I, I told you you were too tired, McGee.
1: Imagine old Doc flying off the handle like that, though, just because I forgot to pay his means. I wonder if that's what I was supposed to remember. No.
2: Huh? I said no, it wasn't.
1: How do you know what Look, I... Look,
2: dearie, I've got a confession to make. Huh? I tied that ribbon on your finger last night while you were asleep. You did, but... But what for? Because there was something I wanted you to do for me today. Well, for the... What did you want me to do? I can't remember.
1: Oh, this is ridiculous. (laughs)
0: Conservation, like charity, begins at home. That's why every piece of linoleum on every floor in the country should be protected with a polish that will not only keep it beautiful, but will make it last longer. The polish I am referring to is, of course, Johnson's Self-Polishing Glow Coat. With Glow Coat, you can give your kitchen and other floors protection with a minimum of work. Johnson's Glow Coat is self-polishing. It needs no rubbing or buffing. You just apply and let dry. And the regular use of Glow Coat will make linoleum last six to ten times longer. So whether your linoleum is brand new or old, it would pay you to begin right now to give it regular applications of easy-to-use Johnson self-polishing Glowcoat. For floors of asphalt tile or rubber tile also, glow coat is the recommended polish.
1: Molly, do you realize this is our last show this year?
2: Oh, for goodness sakes, it is,
1: isn't it? And I was just talking to Doc Gamble again. He says he thought the new year was gonna mean big things for me. Really? Yeah, he says I'm the progressive type. Says I got the perfect character for the new year because I'm real forty four caliber. Forty
2: four caliber? Yeah. That's <laughs> quite a big bore, isn't it?
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh, good night.
2: Happy New Year and good night all.
0: character of Mr. Wellington heard on this program was played by a Ransom Sherman. This is Harlow Wilcox speaking for the makers of Johnson Wax finishes for Home and Industry, inviting you all to be with us again next Tuesday night. Good night. This program has come to you from Hollywood. This is the National Broadcasting Company. Chicago
4: 54 WMAQ. Hindi cinemaka subsea blockbuster Hoga Entertainment.